You don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. Hi, everybody. Welcome back this week. This is Betsy Helmuth, and of course, this is Big Design, Small Budget. I am so glad you guys have joined me once again. This week, we are focusing on more color. But before we dive in, I wanted to thank you. I have been really overwhelmed and so excited by the support of our premium subscription site. You guys have been joining and subscribing for the whole year, and I am really excited to start churning out even more bonus content. We have seven great episodes up there right now, and I'm recording two after I record this. They're my design diaries. I share details of projects that I'm working on. I tell you what I'm excited about, and I share what I'm struggling with. And I would love to answer some specific questions of yours or have deeper conversations with you guys on that bonus site. So sign up for our premium site because not only is it a fun place to go for additional design content, it's also a big support and help for this podcast. Up until now, I have financed this podcast exclusively myself. So I've been paying for it to be produced, for it to be launched, for it to air. And it is a really big help to have your support through these premium memberships to start offsetting some of those costs and supporting me in this journey because I love sharing my design tips with you and it shows me that you love getting them. So you can join for one month for $3.99, getting access to all of my previous archives, which is nearly 75 episodes, in addition to those bonus episodes, and I launch 7 to 10 of those a month. And for six months, you pay only $19.99 for an entire year, only $39.99. So please support us. Show me how much you love the podcast and want us to stay on the air by joining our premium membership site. I promise you lots of value and lots of exciting new info. Without further ado, let's launch in. This week's topics are yellow and green. So we'll start with yellow because it comes next in our Roy G. Biv scenario. The great thing about yellow is it truly is like sunlight. Used in the right doses, it provides a vital energy that no other color can replicate. However, if you choose yellows that are too strong or too vibrant, somewhere either in the lighter tones or in the mid-range, but stay away from that jarringly bright tone unless that's an effect that you're going for. And remembering back to that 30-60-10 rule, if you are going for that jarringly bright tone, think about using it in 10% pops versus sunshine or lemon yellow in a more concentrated or more saturated type way in terms of the 60 or 30% usage. I love using yellow in dark spaces, spaces like basements, spaces like studio apartments that don't get a lot of natural light. When I want to warm up a space visually, it is my go-to color. I love that it exudes happiness. This color is known to inspire creativity, to increase socialization. So if you want to have a home that people long to gather in, if you want to have dinner parties where people stay that extra hour for dessert, if you want to increase your mental enlightenment, a nice hue in yellow is going to be your go-to. And I love it for a wall color. 
but I also love it for a nice armchair for something strong like drapes. So you can definitely use a muted yellow in larger doses. Additionally, according to feng shui, yellow is the color of fortune and wealth because it is the color of gold or it's very similar to the color of gold. But yellow is not without its faults. So the problems with yellow are that, like I said, if you use too bold a tone in too pervasive of a way, it can feel very overwhelming and the room can feel downright uncomfortable, too warm. The other thing is it is a color that increases your activity level. So I would not put it in a room where I want to relax, like a nursery or a bedroom, someplace where I want a child to sleep. It's going to incite activity and energy instead of promoting that tranquility that you're potentially looking for in those bedroom rooms. I also think that yellow has a difficult time wearing well. When a yellow ottoman fades, when yellow pillows get stained, they do show stains more easily, but also when they fade, they just start to look a little bit dingy, old, and worn. So yellow is a color that sometimes just looks fresh for a while and doesn't have a lot of longevity. When you're shopping and wanting to use yellow in your decor, The hues of yellow that are easiest to work with are wheat. So a lot of us are familiar with wheat. It's a very muted yellow. Some people call it straw. It has a little bit of beige to it. Sometimes it just looks like a golden-y beige. But that's a really wonderful color because it's not too glaringly bright and you can find it at lots of different stores. It's typically a more traditional tone, so typically you'll find it at more traditional stores like Home Decorators or Grandin Road or Pottery Barn, but certainly it has transitional leanings and it's just a tone that everybody enjoys and, like I mentioned before, can nicely warm up a space without being overpowering. Another tone that you'll find at a lot of different stores, even though it does tend to be more modern, is Lemon Yellow, that true primary yellow that we're all very familiar with. Now the problem with this one is it does have that bold trap where it can feel overwhelmingly perky. So again, use it in small pops. Look for it at more modern stores like your CB2, like your Blue Dot, Bow Concept. They're going to have options in this very bright hue. When I'm shopping for yellows or planning on using yellow in a space, the two shades that I know I'm going to avoid are chartreuse. Chartreuse is like a lemon lime. So even though I really love that it has this unusual undertone of green, the problem is I just can't find it too many places. It's a very trendy color. It was hot about three to five years ago, and now it's not. So people who have used chartreuse in the past are really struggling now that some of the items are faded and they want to switch out their accents. They're finding that they completely need to switch colors for that accent versus finding more chartreuse objects in stores right now. So again, it's just too trendy and I avoid it. One tone that it really bums me out that we don't see more of, but that I really can't find easily when I'm shopping is mustard. And mustard is also commonly known as yellow ochre. And it's a deeper shade of a kind of muddy yellow. I find it to be a true classic and endlessly interesting. 
but I guess it's not that popular because I really don't find it at stores when I'm shopping. So as much as I may personally like it, it's not a color that I use in large doses. Now let's segue to green. So green is a very safe color. We are used to, in our world, seeing it in large swaths, be it grass, trees. So it's a color that we're commonly surrounded by and we feel very comfortable being surrounded by. So it's a feeling of healing, growth, serenity. That's why for actors, they call it the green room because this color, when used, does calm nerves and help people to relax. If you're a commonly anxious person, if you're frequently nervous, this would be a color that I would not only consider for the walls, I would also consider as a 60% when I'm choosing my 60-30-10 color palette. Now, it's always going to feel fresh. It's always going to feel positive. Again, it's going to make people feel very safe. And according to feng shui here in the Western Hemisphere, it again has connotations with wealth because our money here is green. The problem is this is not a sexy color. I have a real, I guess you could call it a rule, that I do not like using green in rooms where you see a lot of exposed skin. Bathrooms, bedrooms, green wall paint casts a pallor on your skin. As you heard me say on Hoda and Kathy Lee, I feel like it makes you look like a naked Yoda because ideally you'd have a wall paint that warms your skin rather than making you look a little bit ill and jaundiced. So I avoid green in rooms where you see a lot of skin. Also, the problem with green wall paint is because we're so used to being surrounded by it in nature, if you select a hue that isn't natural feeling, like an electric green, like something too bright, or perhaps like that chartreuse I was referring to earlier, if you select a color like that, it's going to feel unnatural and you're going to feel very uncomfortable in the space. So I find green to be such a tricky wall color. And when I am thinking about painting walls, I go for a very muted version. Or I look in my Benjamin Moore fan deck and I go right to the historical color section. Because I know there I will find a time-tested green that I know will be comfortable even if it's not the exact shade I was thinking of. Speaking of exact tones of green, let me tell you a couple that I always avoid and a couple that I really go to regularly. For my go-tos, especially with wall color, I love a sage. Sage is a very muted green. It tends to have a little bit of gray to it, so it's not very warm, not a ton of yellow. And I really love using it in places where I do want wall paint or I do want larger doses like drapery or upholstery for armchairs. It's just a very subtle color and you really can't go wrong. Additionally, you'll be able to find it at lots of different stores, typically more traditional ones. Again, we're looking at the Pottery Barns. We're looking at Horchow. These places that aren't too modern. If you wanted to go for a more modern or transitional hue, you could look at olive. That's a really hot color right now. You'll find it at places like Anthropology, Crate and Barrel. It's a go-to color for me because it is truly a classic. Olive is one of my favorites. It's right up there with navy as something that I just never get tired of. Something that I would avoid when decorating with green is a true Kelly green. And when you're thinking Kelly green, think clover or grass or Crayola box green. 
That's what I would avoid just because it can feel a little bit juvenile and jarring. It can be too bright in large doses. So if I am really excited about using it, I'll make sure it's a 10% pop color. Another color that I always get really excited by but rarely see done well is mint. Mint is a pastel version of green and there are just not very many stores that offer it. I just got a side table in mint at Anthropology that I adore, but I really can't find anything to go with it. And I wasn't thinking, I wasn't really thinking about coordinating it with things when I purchased it. I just did an impulse buy because I really thought it was adorable, but now I can't find anything to go with it. So use this as a cautionary tale and avoid mint. So that has been yellow and green, guys. Now we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with your listener questions. Do you love learning about design? Do you wish you could take a deeper dive into the topics we discuss every week on my podcast? You can. I offer online design classes. Just head to the website, bigdesignsmallbudget.com, and you can check out my online classes there. I offer three different courses, one in feng shui, one in styling, and one that focuses on furniture selection, size, etc. Choose from those classes or take all three and get a copy of my book for free. Each class is $40 or get that combo pack with the book, three classes, and the book mailed to your home for $90. Mention promo code podcast to get 15% off your entire order. Check out my classes, learn more, empower yourself so that you can go shopping with confidence and design a space that looks uniquely you while having optimum flow. Check it out at bigdesignsmallbudget.com. So our first listener question comes from Alex. He writes, Betsy, you have been talking about your premium subscription podcast, but I can't find a place to join. Please advise. Oh my goodness, Alex. I even talked about this at the top of the episode and I didn't tell you where to go. I'm so excited that you want to become a premium member. I know you're going to get a lot of value out of the content there and I really appreciate your support. All you have to do is go to affordableinteriordesign.com and go to the podcast link and click right there. Or you can go to bigdesignsmallbudget.com. That might be a more expedient way to go. And just click on it there and it will say upgrade to the premium membership. Then you'll get access to all the additional episodes and to the archives. So I hope that helped, Alex. Now on to my next listener question. Rebecca writes, Dear Betsy, you have amazing taste in design. Well, thanks, Rebecca. Thank you for your continued tips and advice. Question, where do you like to shop for desks? Is it hard to find something that's classy? I want something that provides storage and isn't the size of a truck. Oh my goodness. So Rebecca, if and when, if and when, guys, I have my own furniture line, one of the priority pieces I'm going to be designing is a desk that is between three and four feet wide and has storage on the side, but is not exorbitantly expensive. It's like the Chubacabra. I can't find it anywhere. So I am not surprised that you are struggling. And personally, I feel very frustrated by it. There are lots of desks that have four legs and a tabletop, but I can see every cord. I maybe get a pencil drawer if I'm lucky, but then my desk always looks messy because I have my phone charger, my desk lamp, and my laptop, which all have cords that stream down the side and 
It looks like a tail. It just completely bothers me. So that's why I love having a storage column on one side because I can tuck those cords behind there and it's not as unsightly. And who doesn't need desk storage? I mean, who doesn't have a bill they'd like to put in a file or at the very least a stapler? So I find it to be very frustrating. There are a few places that offer some desks, but I must say I don't really have a go-to. I'm always desperately seeking and often find myself searching on Google desk with drawers. Then on the left-hand side, I filter it by price point and I just sort through those options unfortunately. Let me tell you a few places that I usually find options that I wind up going with. The first is Ikea. They do have some nice minimal desks with storage and I think the quality is decent and they have an affordable price point, which is usually an oxymoron with storage desks. Storage desks get so expensive. Another place that I like to shop is CB2. They typically sell their tabletops and their file drawers separately, but the file drawers and tabletops are fairly affordable and one rolls under the other. So you get the effect of a storage column because the file cabinet you can push to one side and it tucks underneath. So I can still conceal my cords, it's just I have to buy two pieces. An unexpected place I like to look and I get a much better price point than their adult counterpart is PBT. So they have a lot of interesting options that don't necessarily look very youthful, but they do have good drawers and storage and the price points and the sizes are much more realistic for the spaces that I work on. Finally, I sometimes have good luck at West Elm. The price points can be a little bit expensive, but they always have rotating sales, so I just wait three to six months and I'm sure to get a deal. And they do have some desks with drawers. I'm also a big fan of looking at home decorators. They have one called the Oxford Desk that I really like. Pottery Barn has good quality, but the price points, I just can't do it. So unless they're on sale, like they are right now, run, don't walk, if you're buying at this very moment, um, then I recommend checking out Pottery Barn. But buyer beware, when you add in the shipping, the white glove delivery service, it tends to add up very quickly, and I find it to be a little bit frustrating. So Rebecca, I hope that helped, and I hope I get a furniture line really soon so I can design these things that currently are very difficult to find and oftentimes just don't exist. Wonderful. So my next question comes from Bree. So Bree writes in, she says, Betsy, I'm really struggling with my space for a few reasons. Number one, we never use our dining room table. Number one, it's open to a sunken in living room, powder room, and staircase, making it a heavily trafficked area. So a centered table is tough. Three, everyone gathers in the kitchen. So bar stools are useful, but I don't know if they're cramping the flow to the table. Right now, this space is a mishmash of hand-me-down and restored furniture. Can you suggest an alternative layout for this room that aligns with the rest of the house's eclectic and cozy vibe? My boyfriend is a contractor and he's pretty handy too. So DIYing is our preferred method of home updates. Please help Bree. Bree, help me help you. So you sent some pictures. And while that is helpful, it's very hard for me to create a layout, especially in a difficult circumstance, just from a few snapshots and a description. So while I'm very good, sometimes I ain't that good. But I'm glad that you sent them along because it does help with the visual. Let me just go to your description and provide a couple of comments that I think could help. 
The first comment is if you never use your dining table, think about maybe getting rid of it. Or if there's a clear space where it looks like it would be naked without one, get one that's very narrow so that it doesn't block that heavily trafficked area. And instead of chairs, perhaps use benches. It sounds to me like the counter stools are used a lot more than the dining area ever is. So make that the priority seating space in this eating area. And don't really worry about the dining area. Make it as diminutive as possible with using benches. I love benches at Pier 1 or World Market. And then get a very narrow table. Consider having a very narrow table made for you on Etsy. And by narrow, a standard table is 36 inches deep. I would consider getting one that's 30. Anything under 27 is more the depth of a desk and it's going to look fairly ridiculous. So I wouldn't suggest that. Why don't you butt it up against the wall on one side, do a head and foot chair at either end, and then on the long side, do a bench that's totally unobtrusive, and there you go. You've filled the space so that it doesn't look conspicuously empty, but at the same time, it's not blocking traffic. Hang a nice piece of art above it. Remember my rule, it needs to be 50 to 75% the length of the table for the length of the art, and bada bing, totally unobtrusive and a perfect idea. Another suggestion is you could do a high top table over there. I know you already have counter stools, but maybe you just use a very minimal number of counter stools day to day and then have a high top dining table that also accommodates counter stools and you could bring those extra counter stools over to that island area when you're entertaining so that day to day it's not clogged with stools but you have an option. And then those high top tables tend to have a much smaller profile than their regular table counterparts. You could easily get one at 30 by 30 on a lot of different websites and uh, I would check out Wayfair because you can modify it and filter it by size. But that way, you have a super minimal table, you're filling the space, and you don't have to clog your kitchen area with those counter stools. You can easily scoot these over and still have a great space for entertaining. So Brie, I hope that helped, even though I wasn't able to be super specific with your particular layout. Guys, keep these questions coming. I did have a snafu with my question spreadsheet because I had all your questions on there and then my updates got deleted. So if I didn't answer a question that you've sent in, please email it again. I'd be happy to answer it. I love answering your questions. And of course, check out my Facebook Live events on Affordable Interior Design's Facebook page every Thursday at four o'clock Eastern time. That's where I answer even more of your questions. Sometimes I answer the same questions. I just get a little bit more in depth. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Katherine Heller, our amazing, very understanding producer who is getting this episode a little bit late today, and I apologize. <laughs> to Aton and the Embassy, our house band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get amazing design on a budget. Additionally, if you call Affordable Interior Design, 917-767-2313, you can work with me. I'll help you design your space. I'd be happy to. Until next week, guys, happy designing. Look at that premium content. I'm putting a new episode up right now. Bye. Bye.